Rusty Quill presents. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey guys, quick plugs. I've been streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash wobegonpod. I've been playing games like GeoGuessr as well as writing episode soundtracks. The episode soundtrack streams have been on Sundays at about 6.30 central time, so come check that out if you want to see how the soundtracks get written. 
There's also the Patreon at patreon.com slash woe underscore begone. If you want early ad-free episodes, instrumentals, soundtrack albums, Q&As, directors, commentaries, and more, that's patreon.com slash woe underscore begone. Special thanks to my 10 newest patrons, Brianna, Slawker, Claire M., Feline Foliage, Yvette Ono, Mile After Mile, Cole Weber, Noah Kaplan, Elbereth Cathoniel, and Alex for supporting the show. Also, this is another one of those episodes where the theme song doesn't play until about 10 minutes in. Enjoy. With all due respect, Mike, you've got some nerve showing up here after all this time and telling a story like that. It doesn't make you sound like the team to join up with. It makes you sound like the dark hole that we should run away from if we don't want to be pulled in and ripped apart. Only a fool would make the mistake of getting too close to... whatever this is. You think that I don't know what's going on? You think that I don't know about all of the opportunities that exist at my fingertips to meddle in the space-time continuum? This is over, Mike. Every day I could get involved, and every day I choose not to. I've had unfettered access to shit that you don't even know about. I'm well aware that you are seemingly biologically incapable of turning down these opportunities, and that's your prerogative, but we're not all like that. Can't you just… appreciate the paycheck? That's why I'm here. They're dumping money into my bank account. Why do you need to meddle? Why do you need to set up a base? Is it going to make you happier? Is it going to make the people around you happier? Or is it going to turn you into a black hole, Mike? Those are questions that you should ask yourself before you do anything. This covert op shit has bested better men than you. Do you remember Cole? No. Because we do. Clever is an understatement. Smarter than you by a long shot. Smarter than us too, to be fair. Masters in mechanical engineering, curious and inventive and flying up the corporate ladder here at Over. No idea what kind of work they were giving him, probably building actual time machines. And then, one day, gone. He didn't quit, no matter what they told us. I went by his cabin after he vanished and his stuff was still there. The most classic form of over-security entertainment, right? Peering into the windows of the recently disappeared? His phone was on the table. I can humor the idea of him sending for his things if he quit on short notice or whatever, but who leaves their phone? His car was in the damn parking lot for an entire day after he left. That's sloppy work. We were supposed to notice. And Cole was a smarter man than you. Better than you, if you want me to be honest. Got too curious and then... dead. Why sugarcoat it? Dead. He's dead. So it takes some unmitigated gall for you to show up here and make promises that you can't keep. You want to bring someone back from the dead, big shot? Start with him. Chance smacked the kitchen table with his open palm. His hands had been shaking as he spoke. I kept unconsciously averting my gaze. I wanted to interrupt him, to tell him that he was wrong. Maybe I wasn't capable, but all of us together, we were capable. I could find better people than myself. And Anne had promised me an iteration of herself if we could manage to set up another base. We could carve our own reality from the raw materials of the universe. But I was there, in their cabin, because I had already failed. Both Chance and Shadow had declined to be a part of the base the first time, and I had made a better argument back then. Chance wasn't saying anything that I wouldn't tell myself. Shadow brought his hand up onto the table and slid it over Chance's, a reassuring gesture. Hey, hey, 
he said in a calm and low voice. We talked about this in session, right? We need to get back to the ground, okay? And we talked to each other about Mike, right? How it's okay to be mad, but don't become your anger, right? <sighs> Chance huffed. I absentmindedly looked around Chance and Shadow's cabin. It was the same size as every other cabin in Tier 1, but the space was used in a way that made it look spacious and tasteful. The walls were decorated, the decor matched, and the place was spotless. They hadn't cleaned up to impress us. We had knocked on their door with no warning. They lived like this full time. Michael fidgeted with his cowboy hat, which was sitting on the table in front of him. He cleared his throat. <clears> throat> not supposed to be a negotiation, Michael said. It's an offer, a take it or leave it sort of thing. Then leave it, Chance said. Now let me finish, Michael said. You two already been killed once caught in the crossfire. You're on some radars you can't even remember, thanks to us saving your hides. We're the ones that performed the connectivity strike on Hunter. I don't know what that means, Shadow said. Unless you're admitting to murder? Couple murders, and at least four lives saved, Michael continued. And I did a good enough job that the two of you don't remember Hunter cornering you, probably right here in your quaint little cabin, backing you up against the wall. Maybe under those two guitars you got hung up there and... He made the motion of a pistol going off with his fingers. Michael, I chided him. You already played good cop, he shot back at me. He put his cowboy hat back on. You know, if they killed both of you, that means they killed one of you first, then the other. You think about how that goes? I've been on both sides of that, the first and the second one to go. Each side is somehow worse than the other. Then it sounds like you do a lot of dying, bad cop, Chance replied. His tone was forceful, but I could see him shaking. Yeah, and you do too, Pilgrim, Michael said. And the less you stick with us, the harder it gets to correct that. Chance folded his hands in front of him. Yeah, and I'll be sure to take your word on that, cowboy. He rolled his eyes. Hey, remember when you went back to Boulder to visit Jess and you ended up in a shootout because someone tailed you all the way from over? Michael asked. No, you don't, because I ran a damn correction for you weren't even related to us or the base, just doing you a solid. See this? He parted the side of his beard, revealing a scar where hair no longer grew. Got slashed in the face on that correction. Can't tell as long as I grow my beard out, but I can't shave or everyone can see it. Chance looked at Shadow, confused. I'm the one with a Jess in Boulder, Shadow said. Must have got you two mixed up then, huh? Guess I'm lying then. Michael replied indignantly. He leaned back in his chair. Michael has been through a whole bunch of realities that don't exist anymore, I explained. The least painful ones are the ones where we cooperate, and the most painful ones are the ones where we're apart and we don't know enough about each other to issue a proper correction. That's about right, Michael added. And if we say yes, then what? Shadow asked. Then we launch the base, I said. The first ever iteration of the base for you, second for me. We build up a schedule of operations and work together to harness the technology that we have access to, to correct problematic aspects of the timeline, and to propagate information backwards to ourselves and forwards to later iterations of the base. I've done this before, we'd be picking up where I left off. And Edgar? Shadow asked. Basically in charge of things, I replied. Scheduling, tactics, planning, designing standard operating procedures, that sort of stuff. That's a relief, Chance said. Why didn't you send him instead of the cowboy here? Edgar don't know the story about Jess, 
Michael said, pleased with himself. And rescuing Marissa is part of this so-called corrections itinerary? Shadow asked. It's a long shot, Michael said, but it's more entangled with our other missions than we used to think. I squinted at Michael. I didn't know what he meant by that. He hadn't run that by me first. I kept my mouth shut. Do we have to give an answer right now? Shadow asked. No, I said. We have another meeting this afternoon, the outcome of which I think will put you more at ease with your answer. Okay then, Shadow said. Unless you have anything else, we'll wait for you to get back to us. Cole, Chance interrupted. Can you fit Cole into that correction schedule? Worth looking into, Michael replied. He work here long? Years. Way before either of us got here, Chance said. Disappeared a few weeks ago. He could know about Ty and Casimieris, I said. We'll talk specifics when we get an answer, Michael said. He smiled and extended his hand across the table for a handshake. Pleasure doing business. Chance and Shadow shook Michael's hand, slightly taken aback by the gesture. We stood up from our chairs and began toward the door. Talk to you soon, I said. Be seeing y'all, Michael tipped his hat. We were off to secure the rest of the newest iteration of the base. This is Wobegon. It's chamomile tea. I know you said that you don't like tea, Mikey, but you've got to try it. It's supposed to help with pain. I think it's supposed to be anti-inflammatory or antioxidant or anti-something. I know you had the bear attack in your hand, and some of that's still got to linger. Didn't you break your ankle too at one point? Charlie asked. Yeah, I did. I was walking with a cane for a while, I replied. I was surprised that Charlie had remembered this. I had almost forgotten. I took a sip of the tea that had been offered to me and smiled. I hated it. I took another sip. I still hated it. I smiled again. Should we talk about why we're here? (sighs) Am I supposed to be surprised that there are two of you here and that one of you is a cowboy? She asked. I've seen more doubles than you can count, Mike. I tend to look the other way. Your friend, Hunter? There were a couple of him, I think. They were pretty sneaky, dressing different from each other, kind of like you two. But all it takes is exiting the front gate twice without coming back in for me to get at least thinking about it. Don't get me wrong, I never told anyone or reported him or anything. I i mean, I'm not the reason that he's wherever he is now. Not here, I mean. It's okay, Charlie. We're not here because we suspect you, I said. We killed him, Michael said. Mikey, we're trying to recruit her. We can't pussyfoot around. Oh, I'm not interested in being recruited, Charlie said. She took a sip of her tea. Bottom line is, we need you, Bluebird, Michael said. Charlie sat her tea down and looked at him. I turned to look at him, too. There was suddenly a tenderness in his voice that I didn't expect. In our previous meeting with Chance and Shadow, he had been so full of bluster and bravado that I thought he was going to blow our chances. 
Now he was calling Charlie an affectionate name in a low voice. Charlie looked into Michael's eyes and furrowed her brow. Your face has some lines that I don't recognize, Mike. I guess it's been a while. It's Michael, he corrected her. Michael has seen some realities that we haven't, I explained for the second time that day. I have too, not nearly as many. But we just came back from losing everyone. We lost you, Charlie. We lost Marissa. We lost Edgar. We can't go through that again. He's right. We need you. We need somebody that knows over, and nobody knows over like you do. Charlie grunted in discontent. <sighs> I know how this is supposed to go. I'm supposed to explain to you that you're running towards an early grave and that I'm not going to help you do that. But I know you've heard me give you that speech before, even if I don't remember it happening. You're going to do this no matter what I say. You say that you've already done it once, even though you apparently lost everybody, and you're still going to do it. I'm not naive. I know that I'm not going to talk you out of anything. I can see you, how you're holding yourself, how you're looking at me, how you change into him. She gestured from me to Michael. It's happening. She shrugged her shoulders. And now I have to decide whether I want to be at your funeral or buried alongside you. Do I have that right? You said it better than I could, Michael said. You did always say that if I was in trouble that I could call on Bluebird and you would come protect me, I added. Michael's right. We need you, Bluebird. So, Marissa was part of this operation once, she said. Yeah, Marissa was part of the team, same as any of us. The bravest out of any of us, to be sure, I replied. Which means that she used to still be alive. She didn't always... Do what she did? She asked. You mean 357A? I asked. She nodded grimly. We're starting to get a handle on what happened that night, Michael said. In the previous iteration, it was Hunter who went in there. Both he and Marissa were blackmailed. Our new goals are directly related to stopping the organization responsible. I squinted at him again, just as I had squinted at him when he had said something similar in Chance and Shadow's cabin. The missions that we were planning for the new base were about Ty Betteridge and the Flinchites. Was he saying that the Flinchites were responsible for 357A? That was plausible, but Michael was telling Charlie this like he knew. I wondered if he knew something that he wasn't telling me, or if this was the carrot that he was dangling in order to get Charlie to join up with base. Regardless, this going off script put me ill at ease. I know that she wouldn't do something like that of her own volition, Charlie said. Were you two close? I asked. Michael turned to me, a look of disbelief on his face. Was they close? <laughs> Apologies, Charlie. He don't know everything I do. Charlie blushed. It's alright. Yes, Marissa and I were close. She took a long sip of her tea. I hadn't taken any sips of my tea since the polite two sips that I had taken when she sat it down in front of me, so I had one as well. I still hated it. Charlie looked us dead in the eyes, first myself and then Michael. She smiled a melancholy smile. And this is the part where you try and lure me in by saying that if I join up with you, then we can work together to save Marissa and stop her from blowing up that building. And my love for her, combined with the slightest glimmer of hope of seeing her again, will override my basic human instinct to survive and I'll just be putty in your hands. I can't tell. I can't tell if you actually care about Marissa, or if you're just using her as a pawn to get what you really want. And even if you do care about Marissa, I don't know whether you think trying to save her is a good idea, and I don't know either. 
And however I respond, it's the result of some chain reaction that you've tampered with in ways that I'm not even aware of. I've been meditating lately. I thought meditation would help me manage how I feel from working here. The meditation guides say to let the thoughts pass over you, to dismiss them without indulging in them, as though you were viewing them from afar. I think it's obvious here that I need to learn to let go. But which one do I let go? Do I let go of Marissa and the thought of seeing her again? Or do I let go of myself, let myself become like water, poured into the collective jug, all destined to the same fate, whether that means being returned to the sea or poured on the ground? That's a beautiful sentiment, Charlie, I said. Well, the water thing is paraphrased from one of the meditation recordings, she said. I don't want to drag my feet anymore. I have to do it, right? You don't have to do anything, I said. Bullshit, she replied. I sat upright, hearing her swear so casually. You told me that the last time you did this, I died, right? Was I even a part of your little group when that happened? No, I admitted. Then it sounds like I'm involved whether I do anything or not, she said. Well, you drive a hard bargain, Charlie, Michael said. But we can bring you into the fold if that's really what you want. He winked at her. She chuckled and then sighed. <laughs> you got me, she said. So, what's the name of this shadowy organization? Do we have matching leather jackets already, or am I in charge of costumes? It's just called Base, I said. Hmm, Base. I like it. Simple, covert, you can talk about it in mixed company, and it's still mysterious, she said. We'll come up with a symbol to put on the jackets. You're the first person to actually like the name, I said. I'm sure that you propose something more flashy, she said. Of course, Charlie's the one who named the place way back the first time, Michael said. He cleared his throat. <clears throat> but pay no mind to that. It's an honor to have you, Bluebird. An honor to be included, Cowboy Michael. So what happens next? Charlie asked. You're the last one. Everyone's on board. Now we just need to bring them together, I said. There are some logistics that we've worked out that need to be put into action. We're waiting for a response from someone that has to make first contact with us, and then we can launch right into base operations. Once everything's been established, we can start briefing everybody. It's a deal, Charlie said. Don't make me live to regret this. No promises, Michael said, but I try to absorb most of the regret for everyone. And if you regret it, you probably won't live, I said. Good to know, Charlie said. We'll get out of your hair, Charlie, Michael said. We'll let you know when we're ready to get started. Shouldn't take long. He stood up from his chair and extended his arm for a handshake, just as he had in Chance and Shadow's cabin. Unlike Chance and Shadow, Charlie enthusiastically met his hand with her own. I'll see you then. Take care of yourselves, she said. We will, I said. We said our goodbyes and left the cabin. The night air inside of Over felt thick and oppressive, like the sky was lower than it should have been. It was humid, overcast, and a new moon hung in the sky. Michael and I were searching for somewhere secluded that we could use the calculator without being noticed. We gotta be careful, Mikey. That was too easy, Michael said. Everybody's in, but everybody's got something they want. That's only fair, I replied. It can't get in the way of the mission, Michael said. Then we won't let it. Here. I motioned towards a dark space behind two buildings. There was a patch of woods behind them. Perfect spot. You ready to go home to the apartment, Mikey? He asked. He pulled out the calculator. 
That's not home anymore, thank God. I said, Edgar's at home. But I'm ready to go to the base satellite location, if that's what you mean. If you say so, Michael said. Transport in three, two, one. And we were gone. We landed inside of the Riga apartment with the familiar thud that came from calculator travel. I looked around as my body was settling in. I was right. This wasn't home. Home didn't feel like a thing that I was able to have anymore, but there were varying degrees of home, and this was not one of them. Over was home, in a sense. Base had been home. Base was going to be home again. I was constructing home as part of the mission. The machine was ramping back up into operation. The apartment wasn't home. It shouldn't feel like home for Michael, either. It was a place that he was sent in order to do an important job. It wasn't a place to stay in after that job was complete. Michael hadn't gone home to visit Edgar when Mike and I went on vacation, even though he was the one who had been almost killed. I worried about him. I worried that the job would never be done. Maybe he would live inside of that job for the rest of his life, in service to the rest of us. And eventually that could happen to me as well. Is that the fate of every Mike Walters? To live outside of our time, secluded from anyone we love, in service to the younger versions of ourselves, forever? I shook off this thought. No. Everything was too pliable for that to be the case. That was part of why we were setting up the base, to make sure that that wouldn't happen, that this whole thing was pointing towards something instead of back onto itself, like a mirror pointed at a mirror. I made my way to the living room couch and laid down on it. It had been a long day, longer than 24 hours according to the clock. The couch had unfortunately become my bed now since Mike was coming back. The couch was stiff and did not play well with my injuries. I almost preferred sleeping on the floor. No, this wasn't home. This wasn't comfortable enough to be home, physically or otherwise. I was about to ask Michael if there was anything that he wanted to talk about before I went to bed when I heard him call out. Mike? Mike? I had assumed that Mike was in his bedroom, giving the itinerary that Michael had laid out, though I had not gotten up to check. He's not in there? I called back. I heard some scrambling from the other room. Shit, shit. What time is it? We're early, Michael said. Early? Michael, today's been like 30 hours long. How could we be early? I asked. I put the wrong time in, Michael said. I wrote down the wrong thing. <laughs> Fuck, you'll see in a second. While he was saying this, Mike appeared in the room in front of us. He landed with an unceremonious thud, perhaps even more unceremonious than usual. I sat up on the couch. Get it together quick, Mike. I done fucked up. Mikey's here, Michael said. Mike spluttered the usual time travel splutters and made his way to his feet. I looked at him. His face was covered in blood. I could see a black eye. I leapt to my feet. Mike put out a hand to stop me from approaching him. It's okay, Mikey. I just, it's just a broken nose. It's not even that bent out of shape, he said. You don't want to see the other guy. Michael, what happened? You said that you wouldn't be here for this. I put your time into the calculator instead of our time, Michael explained. His hand was on his forehead. That's what we get for keeping secrets from Mikey, I suppose, he said. Sorry, Mikey, I know you're not our kid brother, but I can't help but get protective. Michael, can you fetch me some tissues? Michael nodded and left the room. How did base recruitment go? Mike asked. Suspiciously perfectly, I said. 
Chance, Shadow, and Charlie are a go, so I guess the whole base is a go at this point. Glad to hear it, Mike said. I've got some news of my own that's too good to be true. Unrelated to the broken nose, of course. He was smiling ear to ear, his mouth mostly covered in blood. He brought his left hand up to his face and wiped away some of the blood, gently maneuvering around his tender nose. On his left hand, on his ring finger, was an understated silver engagement band. Some blood touched the bottom of the band as he wiped his face. He looked at me to see if I had noticed the ring. He had used that hand to wipe his face on purpose. Fresh blood trickled from his nostrils and onto his lips and teeth as he looked at me and smiled. He was beaming. We're getting married. The year is 2024. There's a new episode of Wobegon. You begin listening. 45 minutes in, you realize that you haven't heard the theme song. You look down. There's 25 more minutes until the theme song plays. The episode will never end. This is Wobegon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.